sucks that I won't have time to make a cover of one of these songs because these honestly would be a fun to cover. I think fun to cover. Can you go back and um edit it? Later? Edit the yeah, plug yeah, back in take, the file. I'm gonna take a sabbatical it would from be... Chapo for a month and just go back and do covers of all the songs <laughs> that I haven't had time to do covers of for these things. You deserve uh PTO. Yeah, I need PTO. Um, <laughs> well, let us not forget that the uh, people who gave us the Vampire Weekend were the Vampire Unions. <laughs> Thank you for that. It's very good. All right. Are you ready to get into it? The Vampire Union. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we zav- that's No, they're vampires in German. Uh, we are Vampire Union. <laughs> uh, Paid time off. <laughs> solidarity uh, with your fellow workers. Soli- <laughs> I feel like I'm Solidarity tra- forever. Solidarity forever. Now we're just becoming Russian. Ever. How many days of the week should we work? One, two, two three, three, four, five. five. And that's five it. Five days a week. <laughs> and then we have a vampire week. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> <stupid>. <laughs> All right. Hi, and welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing Indie Rock's premier Ivy League faux-foppish frontman from Vampire Weekend, one of the few indie outfits to make it out of the aughts alive, Mm. on lead vocals, guitar, and for purposes of this podcast, weblog, (laughs) it's Ezra Koenig. Wow. Today we're going to be diving into not his music, but the writing of Mr. Koenig. Yes. As Molly takes us on a journey through his 2000s blog, Internet Vibes. Internet Vibes. Dot blogspot dot com. Dot, no dot word. He's a, oh wait, yes, he's a blogspot. For a second I thought he was WordPress. No. No, I specifically wrote no, that no, down no. when you when I asked you for the name no, of it. No, no, Internet no. Vi- so our text today is internetvibes.blogspot.com. This is the first is this the first blog that we've done? I believe so. Great. What is a blog? What it, took us so long? What is a blog if not a, a memoir self-published in real time? Yeah. Online. You know, um, who's the famous Samuel Pepys? Pepys, the journalist. Samuel, is it, was he fr- was he French? Yeah. Samuel Pepe. Pepys. Hey. He was a, a he would have been a blogger. Here's a question. Where's all the Pepys? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I might need to add a drop of that vine. I think to, you uh, do. Otherwise, it's <laughs> not going to be. Yeah, to, to describe be incomprehensible to all, but maybe two people. Where's all the peepus? Oh yeah, who are the coolest people? Yes. Um, yeah, no, this is this is a blog. This was a blog, and mercifully, thank you, thanks be to Ezra Koenig, it's still live. I didn't have to plunder this from the depths <laughs> from of the internet, internet archive. archive. Yeah. The internet vibes live on. Um, and I'm pleased. So we had another uh, show lined up for this week and last week. <laughs> you might have noticed uh, that we were not on last week. Uh, we're, we're baby. We're baby. Uh, <laughs> now, in our defense, we were both in Iowa last week uh, shooting stuff for the forthcoming uh, Chapo Iowa uh, video special. Uh, I was, you know, running Chapo as I usually do. And Molly was my second shooter mm-hmm. uh, on the grassy knoll. Uh, watching, <laughs> uh, keeping uh, Matt Chrisman in her viewfinder at all times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were. Uh, he he only strayed from the group once, and I had to, to keep go, an eye on him. Get, did you feel like uh, you were? 
Did you feel like you were on planet Earth doing a segment on big game? Kind of. <laughs> I mean, it didn't help that there was also actually big game there, such as yes. large hogs. Yes, large hogs. Um, uh, no, so it all sort of fit together. Uh, no, Matt is, uh, having videoed Matt before, following him in a documentary fashion, it, it, it is like follow, following a force of nature. You just kind of have to uh, like allow... Uh, Matt to 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 go and do what he will. And he's then, just an you know. he's a real. I mean, it, maybe this is an overused phrase, but he's a real natural in front of the camera. He is, but I mean that in the most like you know net like natural, just like nature. Yeah, like yeah. it's it really is like a force. Yeah. So as a way of excuse, we were both in Iowa last week. We we're uh, shooting this thing. It came out very last minute. We had to take a week off. We had another thing uh, lined up for this week that uh, fell through today a few hours ago um so this is something that molly's has had in her back pocket for a few months now it's just um, been up my sleeve so molly can you can I tell t- us a little bit explain? about what we're talking about today okay so i'm trying to remember the first time that i came across this blog and i think it was maybe like my senior year of college maybe a little bit later um i i do this thing where and maybe it seems to be like using the internet in a way that people don't really use it anymore. But I used to do this all the time where you just kind of go down a rabbit hole of someone's compiled archives of written words. Some people might call this reading, but it it feels different when you have to refresh a page every like four and a half minutes. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Where it just gives you this feeling like you're kind of crazy. Yes. Like you really are, you know, tacking up uh uh, blocks of text on a wall and connecting red string. Like whenever no, I, someone has a significant internet footprint and there's been some time that has passed bef- between them putting the foot in the print and me finding it, it always does feel like I'm a little nuts when I delve into their psyche. No, I would do something similar to this uh, when I was in high school, which is uh, w- when I would get into a band for the first time, um, especially like the early mid aughts, <laughs> the immediate predecessors to vampire weekend, uh, the early aughts bands, things I was into in high school, like Wolf Parade or like Franz Ferdinand, like mm-hmm. trying to find the like first time that they were mentioned on the internet. Ooh, you know, yeah. something like that, something like that in those, uh, you know, uh, sleepless nights, avoiding homework in my uh, room with my PC and stuff like, uh, yeah, yeah. So no, I understand that that impulse. A certain kind of uh, dork, like I guess, weird, is into uh, it. Obsessive quality. It's a it's too. a totally obsessive quality, which is only matched by the obsessive quality of like putting your thoughts down, yeah. in serialized, sort of like a, being a serial killer of thoughts on the web. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what's that show? No. <laughs> What's that yellow show? (laughs) What's that show that's that's all yellow? That's such a a good burn for the show. Uh, Being a mind hunter. Being a mind hunter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The the act of. You know, every time I look over at the TV and dude, I'll take that out to a on, greater David Fincher burn. Who's that yellow director? He's just all yellow. Everything I've actually done a video about this. Literally every shot that David Byrne has ever composed. David Fincher. David Fincher. Sorry, uh, David Burns. Well, you know, then we get into synesthesia. And it's like, well, Talking Head songs are a little yellow, yes. I guess. <laughs> I think Talking Head songs is blue mostly. Ooh. Um, no, every every shot David Fincher has ever composed is a uh, desaturated blue foreground with one like yellow accent in the background. And, and you can find a video I did for Slate about House of Cards about how this is exactly true. Speaking of, you know, long, deep Internet footprints, 
I think you and I have them mm -hmm. having been online for most of our adult lives. Yes. And so that's why like, I, I truly can't remember how I came across this. I think maybe it was mentioned in some other larger blog, like Stereo Gum yes. or Pitchfork, perhaps, mm -hmm. uh, mentioned that like, oh, before Ezra Koenig of Vampire Week or Weekend was a thing, he was he blogged. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? And is actually, okay, so this blog is really, it's very charming to me. It, it ran from uh, July 2005 to April 2006, like many blogs. <laughs> Just so, a little, came in a little uh, less than a year. So he did this for nine months. He did this for nine months from his the summer before his senior year to, to the uh, end of his senior just year. Just before the end of his senior year. Okay. And he got a record deal like less than a year later. Um, and yes. the, the first mention of Vampire Weekend comes near the end of this uh, travail. Um, when he says, uh, so this blog is really like vampire weekend origins. It's vampire weekend origins in so many ways, because <laughs> I think, I mean, do we, we must've talked about this a little bit in the meet me in the bathroom episode, but like vampire weekend, we, we can contextualize them a little bit for the folks. At well, home. maybe we should take a quick detour and be like, how, how do, do we feel, feel about, about vampire, vampire weekend? weekend? How do you feel about vampire weekend? Molly, I got to lay some cards on the table right now. Yeah. I hate this band. Wow. I don't think I ever knew that. I, a oh, lot no. of, a lot of bands, a lot of bands, the farthest I will go is say this band does nothing to nothing, nothing for me. This band rubs you the wrong way. This, this <laughs> oh, vampire shit. weekend actively irritates me in its, uh, a pop corn snack lightness mm. and, uh, total lack of going. The hardness at which Vampire Weekend does not go is completely uh, antith antithetical to everything that I want. This I think should have this shouldn't have surprised me. No. They do not go nearly hard enough for your liking. They do not go at all. They do the opposite of going. They chill. Uh, and I've actually for maybe for later in this this afternoon or this this session, I've pulled out some um, <laughs> some choice uh, nuggets of just how hard they don't go from other writers who are more eloquent than me. Uh, but honestly, Vampire Weekend to me sounds like a uh, a wind-up jack-in-the-box got an Ivy League degree. Ooh. That's it. Shots fired. Yes. You just simply don't love to hear it. It's, it's fucking calliope music that's getting a uh, postdoctoral degree in Polish literature studies or something. <laughs> Do you feel like Vampy Weekend's music was... I've, I am, of course, using, I believe, the same abbreviation that Hipster Runoff... Um, used for them vampy weekend vampy i believe they called them vampy weekend i hope they did because otherwise i'm just straight up lying but do you feel like vampy weekend's music was forced on you in your um no i feel like i just i feel like i adulthood? just missed this they were like the first band i didn't have to care about so Got i feel it. like me try like trying to keep up with all the uh hype bands and, and honestly we uh talked about this with um graham from tokyo police club mm -hmm. uh about how they felt like they were the people coming up the stairs as Vampire Weekend came down the stairs yes. with all the last of the coke. Yes. Um, we'll get into this more later. They were the last helicopter out of Saigon mm. of the eighty of the aughts indie rock, and I feel like I had already been tapering off of that strand of caring about things, uh, especially with all the like weirdo uh, underground rock from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s that I was absorbing through college radio. So, yeah, they hit just as I was taking the last helicopter off of caring about what was new and hot in, in indie rock music. Yes, that's fair. You, and you, also you never... objectively, even I went back and listened to six or five or six cuts from each of their albums today. 
and e- each song made me more irritated than the last. They sounded like I hear a bunch of saying. people who listened to Paul Simon's Graceland once and then five years later tried to recreate it and every time they made a choice, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. let's not make it too complicated. I hear what you're saying. I'm holding space for that. I'm holding space <laughs> for your um, your feelings about Vampire Weekend. Um, are, are you done? Yes, I'm done. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's, I completely understand. There's a certain, I think there's, there's just flavors of music that aren't for everyone and not just aren't for everyone, but actually cause some discomfort and irritation in a listener because it has that feeling of like pseudo carefreeness and pseudo, uh, um, like lightness and frothiness and yet is like pulling into pulling so many different references in and has like the whole weight of the internet uh, reputation and uh, sort of, you know, the, you know, we talked about this in me, me in the bathroom of the coming in and wiping clean all of these just totally strung out uh, dead to the world post rock uh, dumbasses. Not that they were dumbasses in the sense of intellectual, but they were certainly just acting like yes. very stupid. No, yeah. Uh, these, yeah. yeah, these Ivy League motherfuckers. Yes. I would understand why that doesn't necessarily sit well in the ear canal. But can uh, I talk about how I feel about Vampire Week? Yeah. I like I like them. Yeah? Yeah. I've all, I've always liked them. They've they've done a great job remaining like as in, inoffensive as you can for being such a potentially inoffensive pro, or potentially offensive project. It's true. You know, even we talk about this a lot of like things that weren't cancelable back in the day that might be instantly canceled now with just no warning. If you hear about, you know, uh four Ivy League guys, three I believe three of them are white, uh or were white. Uh, <laughs> Wait, did, did one of them change? No, 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 no. The original, original lineup. Sure. Um, white Ivy, majority white Ivy League guys playing global music yeah. uh, and just people being like, oh no, fuck that. Like the just the wrong PR wave, crest of a wave could absolutely fuck them today. Yeah. But it was, they came at a time when it was, people definitely side-eyed them, but I don't think they were like, oh, this isn't allowed. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about cult, like cultural maybe my ho- stuff in a little bit. I know we're mostly just talking about Ezra Kenning's writing, but maybe my hottest take, uh, my hottest take on Vampire Weekend is that the absolute most over-the-top generous that you could be with their music is that it is actually appropriating anything. <laughs> sure. Um, I just want to. I just want to pull in one thing right here yes. while we're talking about it. Uh. These keyboard tones are fucking bullshit. It sounds like ass. It sounds like nothing. Chris wants some meat in his synth. I need some goddamn I, give me some sawtooth. Give me some square. This this is a fucking bullshit. This is a child's toy not even being used ironically. Gotta fi- fix those synth sounds, boys. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, feel, I, I get it. If I, things could be cranked up to another level of complexity, but then they might lose people. I guess. I, somebody else in something I was reading Especially today be- said, like, uh, literally, if you hear Vampire Weekend above a one-level volume in something, that is too much. It should only <laughs> exist as, like, the ultimate of thinnest Vampire music, or vampire music, uh, background music. Oh God, I hate the way this song sounds. <laughs> Even when it builds up, it builds to nothing. Mm. 
sorry. I'm, I'm getting too angry too, too early. Anyway, yeah, no, sa- save I d- your, I just your righteous to, fury. I just need to get in that those are my priors. Um, no, I appreciate that. I've I've always liked Vampire Weekend. I've listened to them since they were, you know, a, blo- a blogged, a buzzy blog band. Um, and have, I d- have not really fucked with a new album a bunch, although I've listened to some individual songs and I've enjoyed them. Do I miss Rostam? Yes, a little bit. Um, I thought Modern Vampires of the City hit so fucking hard for me personally. Um, but, you know, to each their own. To each their own. I, I don't know. It, it, I think maybe the thing that I'm pinpointing, or at least the first thing that I'm pinpointing, is that we talk a lot about, at this point now, how uh, being dumb, just being as dumb as you want to be, is the ticket to musical success. Yes. Vampire Weekend are not dumb. No, they are not. They are very smart. No, as much as And I'm, that's upsetting. As much as I, di- I as I dislike them, I will say I will not say that they don't work very hard on the albums. These are not the products of a lazy uh mentality and that they don't think a lot about what the music is. And honestly, one of the things that would maybe be an antecedent to something like this that I do love mm-hmm. is like talking heads. Talking heads. Well, yeah, right. you, you think about a college educated Kid. met in college, come together with we incorporate like world music sounds from yeah, across um, the globe. With a self-consciously preppy attitude added to it at, in a kind of ironic stasis. Like, I have honestly, co- these bands should be huge analogs. But the difference is that Talking Heads goes hard as shit mm-hmm. and Vampire Weekend sucks ass. Uh, Talking Heads has those like just extended jams that really lay on the fucking percussion. Yeah. Like they, they just kind they they vibe in a way. I mean, you know, we saw David yeah. Byrne a couple of years ago, t- twice in a year. And yes. he had he had like a backing band and was like dancing with them. And there were lots yes. of like choreographed and then freestyled moves with a band i don't think vampire weekend is there ever do uh, and it would take a a lot more developing of material they don't you're you're right i would say vampire weekend generally has some bops and they do not have any bangers there is no such thing there's maybe diane young is maybe a vampire weekend Weekend banger and a punk is maybe a vampire weekend banger but honestly a punk is actually more of a bop Here's just, you know, talking heads. It sounds like a a bunch of podcasters. Am I right? (laughs) Here's just the outro of the first talking head songs that came to my head. That was, that would be like a vampire weekend. Um, simile found a job, a song about like a bunch of, of nerds sitting around imagining themselves as television writers. Mm -hmm. But listen to how hard this fucking jam goes. Yeah, they give themselves room to get lost in the sauce, and that's yeah. when the best moments of Talking Heads generally come out. And yeah. Vampire Weekend is never lost in the sauce. They don't. I don't think they really ever allow themselves the the freedom and uh, wildness of jamming. They are all about super tight construction, for better or for worse. But here's the thing: people love super tight construction too because it makes them feel at ease. Because everyone is so goddamn nervous all the time. Yeah, all the fucking Vampire Weekend songs are just designed. They're ground up, ground up designed. Yes. And Vampire Weekend music is, you know, that 
beautiful uh, American Apparel U-neck dress with yes. a scoop that goes a little lower in the back. Yes, I know what you're talking about. It's a, it's a, it, it's reliable. It's flattering. It flattering, is flattering music. It is flattering music. It's flattering music to whatever you're doing. It's, yeah, it, when you say you know in the background and not too loud, but yes, in well, the we, background of so much shit. Yeah, well, we can get to <laughs> whom's flattering whom later. Yeah, let's talk whom's, about this blog. Whom zoom and who? So before he was barely before he was a, uh, a a rock star, he was just a college blogger. You know, I had a Tumblr back in the day. If anyone tries to find it, I wouldn't recommend you do that. I think I actually might have deleted one version of it. Um, but you know, you're in co- when you're in college as busy. Oh my god, I'm so busy. Or like, oh, I'm just like so tired. I just have so much work to do. Mm-mm. Every college student could blog if they wanted to, and Ezra Koenig did. He introduced. I believe uh, there's about a 20 month separation from when I last posted on LiveJournal to when I first posted on Twitter. 20 months. Uh, so I had a Tumblr overlap. I I basically stopped tumbling in like 2013, actually. And I've been tweeting for 10 years. So <laughs> I've been tweeting, I think, 11, something like that. Oh, my God. Um, started, so this is, started from the bottom. Now I'm here. Now you're here. This is a it's a halcyon time. It's a time when there was there were platforms aplenty, which weren't con- really connected or boosted or amplified in any way by social no. media and certainly not visual social media like Instagram. This is this a, is words, baby. This is a weird, wonderful time. Yes, like it was two, 2005 to 2009 was a great time online. We, you know, if anyone has seen the movie Julie and Julia starring <laughs> starring uh, Amy Adams, happy 45th birthday, Amy. Happy you guys. We are. We, let, uh, let us acknowledge we are recording on Amy Adams 45th birthday, which became a, tr- a twin trending Twitter topic today. And I couldn't imagine for what reason other than like, did Amy Adams like pay Twitter to make her birthday a trending I, topic. I read it aloud this morning. I was like, "Oh, Amy Adams has turned forty-five, and Chris is like, "Is that Spawn?" <laughs> yes, because it was like the sixth. But I can't imagine that many. I don't know. Yeah. Amy Adams is wonderful. She she is one of our our, our best uh, uh, female actresses. Yeah, loved her in the Fighter. Um, she's she's great in everything um, that she's a- in. Anyway, Julie and Julia, where half of that movie written by Nora Ephron, uh, rest in fucking power. Mm-hmm. Love that bitch. Um, uh, Julia is just like a blog like <laughs> what is a oh just blogging it i just i can share my feelings and sometimes people comment and but it's so weird because i don't this isn't my job <laughs> like that's what a blog was like yeah, yeah. at this time the the heady like post 911 pre twitter just taking over our lives days god it's, bless it's hilarious this time. to think about how at that time like we just saw that graphic today that's like the most preferred, the most desired jobs from 10 to 12 year olds in China and then England and America. Yeah. And in China, it's astronaut. And in England and America, it's YouTuber slash vlogger. Yeah. Like that, that that is like the most desired profession. Yes. For children in America is grim and also hilarious, especially considering literally 10 years ago, the method to make blogging a profession was to write a viral vlog that you then made a book Book. deal out of that got optioned into a movie directed by Noah Ephron and which Amy Adams would be cast to play you. Yes. 
That, and like we we that still is the, the monetization of a blog at that. We uh, still do not ten years ago. We do not know what Julie's bag looks like these yeah, days. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like she might need to be like writing some random like spawn for yeah. Citibank. I mean, when Miles Teller stars in the uh, Jake Paul movie, he's far too old to be a Jake. Well, it depends. No, on no, what. Jake Paul's the older one, right? Yeah, but Miles, I think Miles Teller is in it's his like, like twenty five, early thirties. No. How old is my Miles fact, Teller? Fact check. Fact check. I fact recently, check, I had a colleague tell me that. I'm always fact check. Oh, yeah. Even when it goes he's hard. He's 32. He's 30. Oh, he's you're 32. right. He is far too young. Uh, far Tom, too Tom Holland. Tom Holland could play Jake Paul. Tom Holland, Tom you know Holland in a villain swing. That really tall guy from Euphoria could play Jake Paul. Oh, yes. In fact, might be Jake Paul. And I'm oh, yeah. He's really probably, sure. he's basically cast as Jake Paul. Anyway, just just to contextualize, kind of goes, but this is like the hardest they go, and I this I give this a I give this a a not even B plus, a solid B in going hard. We'll have to listen to like this is nothing. One of my faves. This is this is sub tier like. Uh, random single I would download off Hype Machine in 2009. But this is, this, you know, it's pop music for people who don't admit they like pop music, maybe? I guess. It is people playing is. instruments, so I don't know. I don't know. I do enjoy hearing people play instruments, so. So, yeah, to, anyway, to contextualize the blog, this is just, this was a time before before Spawn, before monetization in any kind of reasonable sense of the word, it was basically people use blogs as diaries. And that's what Ezra yeah. Koenig basically did. Or he also really is more of a dialectical challenge for him because he was at Columbia. <laughs> He's a smart cookie. In fact, in the one interview that I read with them, to, or the one profile from 2010 that I uh, read to prepare for this, uh, they do bring up the band's interest in Hegelian dialectics. In the Rolling Stone interview that I, I read to prepare for this. Dear so, God. Uh, Dear God. Uh, we're in the dialectic people. And I guess Vampire Weekend, they are the dialectic. Yeah. Um, he, he an early like intro post where he, he says, my name is Ezra and I'm back on the beautiful and mysterious Upper West Side. <laughs> my senior year has officially started. Seniors. Anyway, I'm seriously going to start working <laughs> on this blog because I think it's important to keep up with new technology and to organize thoughts. Plus, I think I know how to put MP3s up and shit. Also, it's embarrassing that my blog is one of the least popular on the internet. Ugh, enough soul searching. <laughs> <laughs> that is that. I mean, honestly, that is immediately extremely charming in that I, I that is how I would have written as him. Yes. At the time. Yes. Beautiful and mysterious Upper West Side. That is embarrassing. If you grew, he's he's being ironic. Is he being ironic? He's that being is ironic. The question he's about from it. New Jersey. He's being ironic. No, he was born in the Upper West Side. Was he? He was born in the Upper but West Side. But raised in New Jersey. But raised in New Jersey. I, I, I hear any sincerity. I think we hopefully we'll be able to tell by the end of this what's sincere and what's ironic. That but is, you know what? Maybe maybe he is a little sincere and a little ironic, and that's the the maddening thing about Vampire million, Weekend. That is a million dollar question for all of Vampire Weekend: is what is sincerity and what is ironity, ironicness, and what are they? trying to mask by saying by oh, being it, sincere or it, ironic, ironic yes yeah. um this is an, a, an early post that i just absolutely adore uh so he's writing about he his girlfriend's family lives in haridwar which is in northern india and okay. he has gone this summer to visit uh his, his girlfriend's, girlfriend's family. 
So he says uh, his girlfriend's Monica. Monica's father is a sannyasi. He lives a fairly ascetic life and wears only orange. He has reached a philosophical state of mind that is rare in the world of men. At one point, he was chilling out and put on this tape he called Water Sounds. It was some high new age nature sounds music. I was like, where'd you get this? He said some American woman who came to Haridwar gave it to his wife. We asked him if he liked the tape. He said some tapes are quiet and when he feels like listening to quiet tapes, he likes it. Monica told me to explain new age music to him. I tried. <laughs> Quote, this music comes from California. It was invented in the 1970s by Americans interested in meditation and Eastern philosophy. It is meant to help your mind relax. Unquote. He wasn't too interested. The story has two levels. On one level, there's the cultural loop of a sannyasi at a genuine Indian ashram listening to some weak-ass American New Age music and just being like, whatever. That's just funny. Know what I mean? So much of New Age culture comes across as Hindu slash Buddhist slash yoga slash Zen light that by the time it gets back to its supposed source, India, Hindus, etc., it seems so diluted that it's basically meaningless. That is great. I do, I do enjoy that. Here's the thing, though. If it just stopped... Uh, with with his girlfriend asking him to s- describe new age music mm-hmm. to him, and the the dad saying whatever, that would be beautiful and hilarious. Yes, the addendum of him trying to describe why it's funny is, but that's what he does. I know he yes, always that he, is the he's thing. A, he's getting just very like meta textual always right. because yeah. he's at the end of the day he is a self uh, uh abs- not absorbed. He's a he's a self an analyzing blogger. Right, right, right. He's always aware of the act of blogging. And honestly, and he's probably doing this honestly, perhaps in, in, uh, in opposition to academia, which would just require you to put forth your answer. Like you believe in it. And here he's kind of playing with the notion of like, who's the authority. And honestly, I, I empathize with that because I do that too. Like basically anytime that I do like a sincere, uh, or not even a sincere, like a, a even mildly acerbic like political tweet. I always addend it with like a bunch of things, tweets explaining myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so people know like what my context is for the, for the joke. First so, of all, I know that it's something, something, and I wasn't talking about this. And I, I'm coming from a perspective where like, I believe that this, and if you are trying to tell me about so-and-so, I already know that. So I get it. But that that one specifically is like the first little part of that is such a funny little short story about cultural recycling, mm-hmm. and then the going then into the, the reason why it is. It's like okay, well, we'll fuck it. We get it, dude. Yeah, it's, it's no, like it's the, that second, it's that self consciousness that I, I fi- you probably find annoying and I find endearing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can find it endearing a little way. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll make master uh, psychoanalyses of uh, Ezra la- later, but. It, you know, it's the difference between uh, being the song that Wes Anderson chooses to put in his movie and sounding like you belong in a Wes Anderson movie, which is what uh, Vampire Weekend songs sound like, you know? Yeah. The second level of this, uh, he says, uh, Monica's grandfather didn't really like or dislike the New Age music. He just experienced it. He refused to make an absolute statement about it. It is what it is. Uh, earlier in our visit, he had the radio on and it was playing some truly shitty American pop punk pop. Monica was like, Grandpa, do you like this? He said, I like what I have. I'm happy. If you worry and criticize everything, you'll never be happy. I really respect his attitude about music. I can't imagine my grandma vibing out to some pop punk or new age. Maybe I should ask her. The key point is that the man is still listening to music at the age of 80. Also, he is not a hater. I don't know if I can escape from the wheel of life, capitalized, at this stage in the game, but I can do my best to follow Balram, that's his name, Balram's example, and not be a hater. Uh, agree. Uh, 
Very. I mean, that's a, that, that's good. I uh, I agree with that. And if I can be, you know, again, I, I'm coming into this episode saying that this is the first one of the first bands that I straight up say I hate listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ballroom is enlightened in that I am approaching music as a consumer, in which I get to choose or not choose the things I listen to. Mm-hmm. And he is the person who's like, I am delighted that I have music that comes to me. Yes. I do think in the, this that's is good, an early point, it's an early example of a certain vibe of internet and of life that I tend to vibe with, which is kind of like the the toxic negative version of expressing this would be like let people like things. You yeah. know, you know how people often say that on Twitter, and yeah. I feel like it's usually in somewhat bad faith, incredibly insulting webcomic. Right. Yeah. Um, let people enjoy things, and I think that's bad and yeah. gross but it's i'm trying to think of the opposite of let people enjoy things i guess it's just like let me enjoy things uh <laughs> maybe just like these are the things that i have or like these are the things that could be enjoyed if you wanted to yes exactly and i know that's maybe that sounds a little wishy-washy but i am a little wishy-washy like i'm i'm much more attracted to and generally become one of those people who's not interested in like you know, putting forth polemics or absolutes. I, I, I vibe in the, in the Im, ambiguity. Now, Im, now ambiguity. I'm, now I'm just imagining um, that if I was like a, a movie reviewer for some kind of publication and every single review for like a Marvel movie that I would give would now just be a one sentence review that's like, this is a thing that can be enjoyed if you want to. Right. But when you put it like that, I'm like, well, obviously there's such a place in the world for criticism. Criticism yeah. makes the world literally go around. And we've, you know, some of our good friends are the best fucking critics on the planet. And like that, there's a space for that. And when I think about, okay, so say I went to a bar tonight and someone came up and like the music was playing and someone came up to me and was like, oh my God, like, and it was a shitty pop punk band that yeah. I had never heard of. And they were like, oh my God, this music saved my life. Like, and talk to me for about it for 10 minutes. And we're like, oh, I just yeah. fucking love this, this music so much. Honestly, and I would, I would honestly, be like, bro, hell att- yeah. Attack attack was so important to me when I was uh, 19 years old. This band brought me back from the edge. Yeah. And I would, I would hear that and be like, damn, that's amazing. Even if I heard it and was like, this is not quite my taste. And it maybe someone else would come up 10 minutes later and be like, that music sucked. And I hate it so much. And I'd be like, cool, man. Does that make me wishy-washy or does that make me like that uh, that northern Indian man? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, again, I think that the vibe that we always try to put out through this show is that uh, uh, the music is not good or bad. The music just exists and it's up to you to decide whether it is good or bad to you. Mm-hmm. Right? And, you know, we, we always try to find the value in or at least the intention in individual things. And this is one of the first things I've come out and been like, <laughs> yeah. garb, trash, yeah. wipe it off the map. Yeah. I, so I don't know how I'm going to reconcile how well I appreciate his appreciation of this guy's vibe of like, I like that the music exists and I still have it other than uh, he's like, let me translate that vibe into like the uh, least important music ever made. I think that's fair. Once again, I hear you and I'm holding holding space for you. I appreciate you holding space for me. This is a trial run for when we do Radiohead coming up and I uh, <laughs> and we actually come to actual Well, conflict. we're going to have a guest for that, so we're going to have to be polite to our guest. Um, I, will not, I will not be. Oh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, in September 2005, I, I really loved this. this. This is another thing of just like 
guy living in New York for kind of not the first time, but like kind of being an adult in New York for the first time. Last year, I started becoming fascinated by the awesome music I was hearing in stores around my hood. It had super clean guitars, catchy melodies and almost robotic Latin percussion. Can you guess the genre just by this description alone? It's okay if you can't. Reggaeton? Uh, No. We'll move on. I remember walking through the Morton Williams supermarket on 115th Street and noting how the vibe of the music was almost as fresh slash clean as Morton Williams itself, which had recently been renovated. Morton Williams is not the freshest slash cleanest supermarket in the world, but even kind of grimy supermarkets feel fresh slash clean to me. Are these all in capitals? Maybe it's the unlimited promise of food shopping. I could make anything with these bananas. My pantry is going to be sweet. Dinner party tonight. Uh, he's talking about bachata. What is bachata? Just Google it. It's funny that he brings this up because I had a, had a very similar experience moving to New York in, and like going to a bodega and be like, this is lit. What is this? And it's bachata. You've heard this. Oh, yes. This is uh, classic. It's that guitar bodega sound music. that is like. Yeah. Like so direct, this, is, this, is, this is Dominican. This is Dominican dance music. Like there's a specific type. Like it's like salsa. Like there's a specific type of dance associated with bachata. Excellent. I mean, yes, this is bodega music. Um, Yo misma la vie by Luis Vargas. All right. He said, I didn't even know what it was called until my creative writing professor told me. Oh, I wish I spoke Spanish. It reminds me of early talking heads. And then he uh, he linked some MP3s and said, please download these songs to your iPod and go to the supermarket. And then he pointed in a textual arrow at that and said, what a consumerist slash capitalist thing to say. <laughs> so he's got, there's all these layers of like enthusiasm and irony that like were kind of, it was almost like pre- did you read the all back in the day? Uh, yeah, I mean, I read I read the ones that went viral on Twitter. This was this was totally the the mood of the all. It was it's sweeter and more earnest than like Jezebel Gawker. Sure, but it's still like pithier and tartar and more like at least assuming of a basic level of intelligence of the reader than a lot of other internet sure. chum. And like he did it before it was done, which I just ah, I love. And he's just like a little baby. That the the idea of like saying something super enthusiastic and then making fun of yourself for your ignorance and then like go like doubling down. See, I, like, I, get, I like get that. that. Has been my personal tone uh, online since this time. I, I don't think that the, it's super exceptional. This feels like all the live journals that I was that I was following. Oh, I I think I was just full on full on earnest. Um, other oh, and by the way, a few posts later, he posts a song which, unfortunately, I was unable to source, which is a remix he made of the MIA song "Bucky Dun Gun," which he described as a Bucky Dun Gun bachata plantain mash <laughs> remix. So he—that's the other thing. Like we will talk about this a, a little bit more, but like the pulling of cultural references in a way that is not. Oh, like we get in such tricky territory here, but it's to me it seems purely celebratory. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of like he just heard something, he thought it was great, and wants to incorporate it in what he's doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, those super honestly, that fucking super clean guitar from the Bodega music makes its way through every single Vampire Weekend album. Yes. He does not distort his guitar at all, which is why <laughs> it sucks and sounds bad. Nor does he play it funky style. 
which is the <laughs> one good way to play non-distorted guitar. So are you saying that his experience of listening to bachata music um, basically ruined the entire concept of Vampy Weekend as a band because they, he wouldn't throw that distortion on? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that he like took... He, <laughs> I think that the appropriation of Vampire Weekend is taking every individual genre music and taking the worst impulse of it and, and porting it into your thing. <laughs> I'm just in my head. I'm just thinking, I'm like, if you, if you are a fan of Interpol, chances are, there's no way you would be a, a fan of vampire weekend. Yeah. Those two are like mirror opposites. No, they're, they're, they're like fucking uh, opposite magnet poles. In yeah. Which they're extremely close. Yeah. But they would never, but as you try to bring them closer, they yeah. repel each other more. Yeah. The very same kind of guy, though, but... I bet Paul Banks and Ezra Koenig have more in common than, like, oh, most no, no, people absolutely. on planet Earth. But they would not get along. If but they, they would get, not get along. No, yeah. And that's because Paul Banks' favorite drug is cocaine, and Ezra Koenig's favorite drug is it's, coffee. Yes, juice, no, no, no. He said, he said in Meet Me in the Bathroom, his favorite drug is coffee because it makes him so think the better. answer... Tell all the questions that I'm going to ask at the end of this about like how do we feel about Ezra Koenig? Mm-hmm. The real answer to them is that he's lame. He's a lame. He's a lame. He's a goofy. He's an op. Yeah. Um, he's a deep inner lameness. <laughs> which brings out my inner lameness. Yeah. Which I is within me. It he's, is in me. He's. <laughs> is it in you? Is it? In is it you? in you? <laughs> um. Uh. Just some. Just. Just mid describing his blog there's just other other tactics he takes um he'll put weird photoshop edits of like bad point and shoot digital photography taken sure. at parties <laughs> as you do yeah in 2005 um he he wrote about a weird video of a high school marching band that was playing DJ Shadow songs. Okay. <laughs> Once again, this was not something I could find evidence of online. This is like pre-viral video internet. The yeah. internet. Yeah, this is this is when was YouTube? YouTube was 2005. 2006. 2006. Yes. So yeah, this is we're pre-YouTube. At, at some points he complains. He probably has a link to like Daily Motion or something. Oh yeah, no. The, this this blog is littered with dead links. Uh the, the internet of the mid-aughts is a is a graveyard in oh, a yeah. lot of ways because hosting capabilities mm-hmm. and platforms were, you this, know, this blog comes from a time when MySpace was still the first the number one most popular social media site. Yeah, face, Facebook was still relegated to I think you needed a dot edu. I fucking remember uh, being most excited about getting my getting into college because it would mean I would get a college email address so mm-hmm. I could get access to Facebook in the fall of 2005. Oh my god, did you put up a album called Random? Uh probably. I can't wait to describe this to like younger generations and just have their eyes glaze, glaze over, over like a fucking donut. Uh, just <laughs> I'm because sorry, I've what? It, just because I've been thinking about it today, uh, it's weird. We are at the generational end of this era because I just described being super excited to get my college email address so I could log on, log on to Facebook. But now, right now, I was just thinking today about the phenomenon that I've described to you before of the Terminal Wedding, wedding album. Yes. In which so many of people I follow on Facebook, like when I do log in there and, and periodically check into people's profiles, almost every single person of my age, the last thing that they have posted on Facebook is the album of wedding fi- pictures oh from like a year or two or three ago. And that is the last update they 
ever made that's to their mic drop until they have kids and honestly they might not even bother they might not even bother yeah because facebook is, is declining as a thing and it's so that it, facebook just exists in this era for people exactly of our age mm-hmm. from getting into college mm-hmm. to, to getting married getting married and that is your activity on facebook yeah uh that's the, your that's the life that's the half-life the terminal marriage album that's that, why that's what i'm i'm calling it can I bring up something completely unrelated but semi-related? Yeah. I was just thinking, I was on a run yesterday listening to a Girl Talk live set, um, which is <laughs> how I, yeah. as I as, do. As literally, as literally just you do. Just I do. Also, if anyone, <laughs> anyone's listening right now and has any like links, you know, YouTube or otherwise to like obscure girl, girl Talk, talk sets, sets, like that. Please inject, send them. Yes. <laughs> inject send that your, shit directly into my Send face. your rare Girl Talks. I, I will appreciate them all, um, no matter the audio quality. I was listening to that and realizing that like, I, w- I want to talk to people who have given birth. I want to talk to girls. I want to talk to people who have given birth post 2006 or seven yeah. have maybe raised their children on mm-hmm. mashup albums mm. and just what that is like. <laughs> no, just, th- just think about that because. Social experiment. Social experiment. I was, I was born to like late, late, late boomers. Uh, who had, you know, listen, my, you know, my father was one of those people who had vinyl, then he bought tapes, and then he bought CDs, and then he bought uh, MP3s. So he's bought literally every album he's ever enjoyed three times. Please, please, um, please help me budget. My family is dying. dying. <laughs> uh, the music industry keeps changing the formats, and I've spent $30,000 just to recreate my record collection, and uh, we don't is, have any food. That is food. a great deployment of the Thank requisite you. drill tweet. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, ch- Child of Boomers music was real and by one person. Yes. It wasn't, and it wasn't raised, you know, by fans of hip hop who used sampling was, wasn't a thing yeah. until I was like, I guess in elementary school or later. I want to, I want to talk to people who had babies raised on girl talk and just understand what their perception of music is what ownership is what authorship is because we understand it by like musicians recorded songs and then those songs were snipped up into little bits and turned into a delightful frothy mix that could be danced to or run to and then but we still understand those two things as separate what happens when there's no context Anyway. I mean, I still get excited when I hear a random song that I haven't heard in forever, and my first connection with it is being like, "Oh, that's a." But a what girl happens talk when that's sample. every song? What happens when every song you hear is "Girl Talk" first? Well, and "Girl Talk" hasn't second. released an oh, album in almost a decade, so I I don't think that his cultural imprint will be that long. Yeah, mm-hmm. honestly, Rip Girl Talk. Girl Talk put out new albums. What do we have to do? I still think that mashups are the most important musical form of uh, the, the 21st century. The 21st century. I would prove. Prove. I mean, <laughs> I'm that guy with that sign at that, like, you know, uh, prove yeah, me wrong. Prove me wrong. No, I, I would agree. I obviously agree with you that those three Girl Talk albums are among the best. Uh, cultural works of the 21st that, century. That and like, you know, the Danger Mouse Grey album. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, th- that, I mean, that when you listen cha- to the That Grey changed album, everything. Grey album versus those three Girl Talk albums in j- just terms of like how revolutionary that is about what the idea of pop music is. I mean, Girl Talk. He's he's goaded on, he's frankly goaded. He's been goaded on the sticks. He, he's goaded on the knobs. <laughs> uh, he, is, he is a king uh, and a pimp and a, a true player of samples. Yes. And we stand a legend. 
speaking speaking of this idea of like authorship and eras and uh what what has been given or distinguished uh here's a from a october 2005 internet vibes post I recently came to a new conclusion about internet vibes. As the past fades into obscurity, our ability to discern between vibes is greatly compromised. Mm -hmm. Just as a 14th century Chinese Buddhist statue and an 18th century Japanese Buddhist statue compromise a single vibe to the average 20th century non-scholar, so will Outkast, Linkin Park, Animal Collective, Devendra Banhart. Have you heard that name in a while? Wow. Uh, That's a name I haven't heard in many years. uh, Gorgo... Gorgit? Don't don't know who that is. And Chopin all move all morph into a single vibe well, for kinda, the children of the future. Kind of throwing Chopin in there. Uh I, I get what his point is for I don't know. What what Chris, what is the difference between Chopin and Lincoln Park? <laughs> do 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 that's a nocturne, bitch. One thing. Damn. I don't know why. Damn. That's you that's did just uh drop some some incredibly hard knowledge on me. Uh, though I do think that future generations will be able to discern between <laughs> Chopin and Lincoln Park. But the first part... Time will tell. Again, he, he's like John Raffio with the raps. He goes one point too far. <laughs> You're so Because <laughs> I'm like, yes, 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 yes. yes. Oh, no. And Chopin. No, well, you just skip back 400 years. I yeah. feel like we'll be able to figure that part out. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, as, even as we he is chronicling the internet vibes of his time... And now we look back at the internet vibes of his time, and yeah. we're like, "Yeah, that's all. All that shit was one thing. Yeah, one big stew." No, he I, he seems to understand that we are at a precipice of information. Yes, um, better than I. I mean, I was younger than him, and my brain was smaller with less uh, curves folds. and ridges folds. Um, but I certainly, I don't think I was thinking about information in the same way. So. He, what did he say? I don't think this is a bad thing, but I do believe that while we still can celebrate and understand the subtle differences between the vibes of our world, we should. Uh, all of this must be approached in the spirit of positivity. In the end, these divisions will help us to understand the bigger picture. This should not force us to confine or destroy the bigger fi- picture. We cannot be haters. <sighs> this post is making me really hope that he does not continue to get more famous. Because it <laughs> seems like he he will become a a new, more powerful, more awful Bono. Mm. You know what I mean. I think there is one Bono. Bono did not make an anime Netflix series. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you hear. I you, think he's going down like that the realm. He's of just the- like constantly getting more fame and more power, and you hear that, and and you're like, you inflate that. You put the hot air balloon. Uh, burner under that and mm-hmm. it's just it's going to produce Bono brain. I think I think Bono has been political from the beginning because he like had to be and I don't think Ezra Koenig necessarily did. No, he's not political now, but his like general uh hollow good vibes theory is I mean it it, it, it look, it's like it's like when you put enough atoms into the nuclear reactor it goes critical, he might become political. Yes. Okay. I think that's fair. Uh, another another entry from October 2005. I just thought this was really funny and kind of spoke to, once again, the, the very decentralized experience of the internet that was happening in the mid-aughts. Right. Because once again, he's kind of... He's I have a, no idea how many hits he, he got on he's this. He's on a blog spot. He's blogging into the fucking this void. This Tumblr... This isn't a, 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 a Twitter account where he's like amassing followers. There's no plat. Yeah, there's no platform. Yeah, it's you. You tell your friends to visit the URL 
probably in person. Because I don't even think that because bl- Blogspot was a platform, but it wasn't a social media network. It, it was yeah, just no, a tool there, to use it. So there's no way to connect other Blogspots yeah. or follow other people. There was no. like there was no way to 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 link the thing that you were doing to other. Mm-hmm. things there wasn't even facebook to post your blog yeah, there, spot. there was no amplification beyond yeah uh like the basically the the kind of og methods of like yeah, literally emailing it uh, emailing people? it to people or this like, is also i i would like to remind people this is pre gchat motherfucker yes, yes. gchat was what 2010 no 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 no. way before that I was, are you sure maybe i was gchatting back in 2007 or 8 i'm looking this up because i need to know uh, although actually technically there's no such thing as Gchat anymore. It's Hangouts now. <laughs> okay. Initial release 2005. Okay. Yeah. So it's, eh, it was certainly not popular. But I was honestly, not Gchatting until bl- the end of my college If you were blogging experience. on uh, Blogspot in 2005, the chances are you did not have a Gmail account. Yes. He was, he was probably mostly using his at Columbia.edu yes. uh, email address to, yes. to handle his electronic mails. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, so this is where we we were at at this point. So he's talking about getting really obsessed with the Billy Joel song, "The Longest Time." Can we pull that oh, up? For the longest time. Whoa. If I told you that my high school acapella group sang this song, would you believe me? Uh. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Because we did. Which is Billy Joel pretending to be a fifties doo-wop group? <laughs> yes. Does he still play this song live? I hope he does. Probably, uh, assuredly. What else could I, I can only imagine that Billy Joel's being not a Billy Joel fan, fan a very casual uh, Billy Joel observer. Although I have seen moving out on Broadway. Um, <laughs> well, you most of your Broadway experiences are conscripted. Yeah, exactly. Not not a free will. Uh, Let's be let's uh, be real. I could not imagine seeing Billy Joel's like I don't know two and a half hour set on Madison in Madison Square Garden and not recognizing more than like four songs. I bet mm, Billy Joel's one of those things where I think that it's just low key all, all up in there. Yeah, shameless. Oh, no, no. You know, maybe he, he does shameless. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's had a million songs and many of them are incredibly popular. Will you uh, will you support this digression to see what a recent Billy Joel set list even looks like? Yes, I'll try to be quick. I'm just um, uh, okay, MSG on July 11. A matter of trust. Mm, don't know that one. My life. I think I know that one. Dun about my, my life. Summer in the city, yes. which is a love and spoonful cover. Summer, comma Highland Falls. Big man on Mulberry Street. That, uh, isn't Vien- that a Dr. Seuss book? <laughs> uh, Vienna, of course. The Down Easter Alexa. Don't ask me why. A room of our own. And so it goes. I don't know any of these. Allentown. I think I know that one. Sometimes a fantasy. Yes. New York State of Mind. Sure. Moving out. Yes. All about soul. She's always a woman. Uh, Only the good die young. The river of dreams. He does a cover of Dancing in the Street. He does Nessundorma. <laughs> he sings fucking... Wait, no. He's, it seems like maybe someone in his crew sings this Puccini song. Uh, scenes from an Italian restaurant. Sure. Piano Man. Sure. And then his encore is honestly straight flames. It is We Didn't Start the Fire. Right. Uptown Girl. Right. Still rock and roll to me. Sure. Big Shot. Sure. You May Be Right. With a snippet of uh, rock and roll by Led Zeppelin. On P- 
I w- I'm worth the price of admission to hear a little bit of Billy Joel playing uh, Led Zeppelin. When I when I see that he plays 27 songs in his live set, it makes me feel tired. Yes. And I'm almost 30. The average age of people there is probably elevated. 60? And just think, but honestly, maybe that's the fucking highlight of their yeah. year is like, oh yeah, it's Billy Joel. Anyway, listen. So he he's gotten obsessed with the longest time. Um, he said, "I was vibing so hard in this song that I felt connected to the Ur vibe." Some people call this cosmic consciousness. Can you imagine feeling so great about a song that so many people find lame? This must be how noise dudes feel about 20-minute raucous feedback jams. I've been fascinated and excited by noise music, but it's never given me a heartwarming endorphin rush like pop music. M-U-Z-I-K. However, I am... Talking about... Pop music. Uh, However, I'm confident that it has had exactly this effect on other people. Therein lies the Ur-Vibe, also known as the Uber-Vibe, the Over-Vibe, etc. When I tapped into the Ur-Vibe, I was compelled to Google Billy Joel (laughs) Longest Time Best Song Ever. (laughs) In the process, I started to understand the internet more than ever before. Quite a few of the hits came from non-Billy Joel message boards mm-hmm. uh, on the lacrosse forums, the internet's finest <sighs> lacrosse community. Someone started a thread. What song are you addicted to right now? Uh, one user, the mysterious NRVLC, names The Longest Time. Other users expressed dismay slash confusion at their own taste. Uh, Lax Dave. Mike Jones is a huge F word. Uh, who says his name over and over again like he can't remember it, but I still listen to his stuff. What's up with that? (laughs) He's definitely uh, tapped into something there. (laughs) The Ur vibe. I mean, first of all, I do have to give him credit for talking about vibes way before uh, vibes became uh, pre-Marian. Yes, pre-crystals as like popularized bougie accessory. Yeah. Or just identifying the concept of vibes of something that it was worth examining and paying attention to Mm -hmm. because we do need to tap into the vibes of the world to understand it. Vibes are like my favorite thing. Uh, They're great. And you have to think about vibes to understand literally anything. Especially about the internet, which is honestly solely vibes. It really is about the concept of vibes is just about Drilling down past the who, what, where, when of any thing and figuring out like what is the emotional, spiritual, psych- psychological frequency, energy, energy that something <laughs> resonates. I just on. got so excited that my, my headphones head, fell yes. off my head. And that, it's, that, en- it's fucking energy, man. And that is the second layer, and it is the only way to like. I mean, honestly. Weirdly, one of the first things that possibly because I just read a Matt Taibbi piece about uh, going to a Trump rally in Cincinnati Mm. uh, as I was that was just linked on the sidebar of me reading this 2010 profile of Ezra Koenig in Rolling Stone or on Rolling Stone online. Yeah. And just like reading Matt Taibbi talk about being at this Trump rally last month. And the thing that he is describing is not who, what, where, when. It's not facts. It's not reason. It's not logic. Mm-hmm. It's vibes. Mm-hmm. The reason that Donald Trump is president is vibes. Mm-hmm. He has particular vibes. Mm-hmm. They are dark, chaotic vibes, mm-hmm. but they have drawn a plurality of Americans 
to him mm-hmm. for lack of a better vibes. Oh God, Donald Trump had the strongest vibes. He did. Oh he, no. He did. That is absolutely a hundred percent objectively true. Fuck. If you look at the 2016 election and you think of it in the terms of vibes, he had the strongest vibes. Yeah. And that his also, vibes captured the imagination look, of the nation. We are a different podcast, and I don't want to talk too much about Chapo here. We already talked about it as a framing thing, but that is why we were fascinated with Marianne Williamson, because she is basically running on vibes, which mm-hmm. no other candidate, even mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders, is running on the concept of vibes. Yes. And I mean, I like the I feel like the more that we talk about this, the more it's gonna sound like woo-woo stuff, but you know it. Look into your heart, you know it's true. There's something there more in the universe and about how art and culture and human and em- humans and emotions relate to each other than uh, uh, just the facts. And that is the vibes. And that is a powerful energy that we need to tap into. Yes. And to his goddamn credit, Ezra Koenig clearly has a, a, a pure view of that. Yes. I think he's bad and does a shitty job of actualizing that. Well, that's the thing. It's like you, you do not vibe with Vampire Weekend's no. music. Which is disappointing because this guy seems like he has a uh, um, a jeweler's loop. Uh, stuck a cra- in a wo- crackhead's, a yeah. crackhead's loop. Stuck, stuck throw, in throw one of his eyes to- observing these vibes. He, yeah. He's he's seen them yeah. and he has like a clear view into them. His mm-hmm. his third eye is open to vibes. Mm-hmm. And yet the thing that But the he, way the way he channels it is, is not is no, not to your it's taste. It's not vibes. Yeah. Ezra Cannon could be the same person, absorb and re uh, spit out the information in the same way and create a completely different kind of music that you would vibe with. But his yes. vibe, you know, his vibes are his vibes. And that's the other thing about coexisting in America, a nation of many different people, is that your vibes are definitely not going to be the same as other people's vibes. No. But the best people, and I would think, honestly, the most people, you can have your vibes, other people can have their vibes, and as long as they can kind of mesh in the middle and turn into sort of a mist, that's cool. But Donald <sighs> I'm, Trump I'm, just stoked up this this negative destructive vibe i'm gonna have to go like pitch write and pitch a a piece called the vibes theory of politics Eh. Eh. but yeah that's the other thing is like you can't it's it's just energy it's the energy that you put out it's energy it is the energy they put out and and it's a, a combination of the things you say and what you mean and how you say them and, and also, also your your cultural you your, your, your cultural bag is what you look like, uh, right. how you grew up. Like that's all part of it too. Yeah. Which is the funny thing about Vampire Weekend is that's where the yeah you know uh, upbringing comes from, as well as uh, the out giving. Yes. <laughs> oh God, it's such a rich blog. Um, I think two two more two more individual vibes. He gets obsessed with um <laughs> he gets obsessed with uh, photographing the visual of a photographed New Balance shoe at nighttime with flash photography. And I don't know if you understand this, Chris, like if you've ever seen this before, but when you photograph like a certain kind of like mid-aughts New Balance shoe, it reflects so strongly that it looks like paranormal shit. Yes, I know what you're saying. They have the the fluorescent, like the logo is like in a fluorescent pattern or something. And this, this is an early example of the internet 
in terms of like what you give out and request versus what you receive pre-social media, pre-virality, pre-hashtag, well, maybe not pre-hashtag, those might have been invented yet in some sort of coding format. Sure. But pre, you know, hey guys, sound off in the comments with your favorite flavor of ice cream. Ezra Koenig posted about these ghostly new balances and hopefully maybe we can link in the show notes to uh, yes. some of these these images. But he was he was like, I just observed this phenomenon, uh, which is that New Balance's photograph, like, you know, fucking UFOs in the dark. And then like two posts later, he was like, I've been submitted more and more photographs, some without commentary. And that's like that's what the Internet is supposed to be. Right. Interlinking of information. Yes. Uh, it, it, ideally to serve you and then to serve everyone. This is something that he's interested in, that he thinks that because he's interested in we might be interested in it and therefore people gave him that stuff and he regave it so to people. He, that's the best of the internet. But that's that also the, proves... That's the er vibe of the internet. He has readers. Yes. But honestly, like he was in college so he probably... And he this was cute. Like so, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly, if I, if I liked a boy in college and he was like, I have a blog, I would have been like, oh my God. And he has a band? Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Catnip. Oh, uh, yeah. Catnip to the uh, co-eds. Yeah, cap, co- co-ed catnip. Yeah. I'm sure... Every every New Balance submitted to him was of uh, one of the you know fifteen Columbia coeds who were floating with him. Yeah, or I don't know, maybe the women at Columbia and, are all and, too busy writing their theses. And it's about fashion, so it's like, oh my god, the cute boy in the band is talking about the shoes. Yeah. Shoes. Yes. Speaking of Let's fashion, get some shoes. Let's get some shoes. Anyway, I just I wanted to highlight that as just like before before canceling before you know. Uh, trolling and death threats and Gamergate and doxing, like before all these things that are just like, honestly, disproportionately to like people of color and women, but all the ways that the internet can ruin your life, right? Yeah. Getting fucking swatted because like someone, because you're gaming and like someone else uh, like hates you and just thinks that they need to do this to you. Uh, the people internet people as an, commenting, under- commenting pissy things about your podcast episode on a subreddit that's been quarantined. Sure. Yeah, people sliding into your DMs and saying some dumb shit. People just it, putting their vibes, putting their negative vibes onto onto your onto positive your project. positive vibes on the internet. Before all that, the utopian vision of the internet was a pure exchange of information, ab- absent of any of the like dirty, filthy ego stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I just I like that this was sort of pre-social media platform, and he he got all those shoes, images of shoes. Let's get some shoes. That would have excited the shit out of me. One last thing, speaking of fashion, uh, one of the later uh, last posts, as all blogs, all good blogs do, it petered out into near nothingness (laughs) uh, within a year of its nascence. Um, He talks about preppy fashion, which is like a big early vampire weekend thing. He loves. Um, So I'll read what he has to say about this Uh, preppiness. He said, I, uh, so he's talking about how he, really got into Lacoste shirts um, like a few years yes. ago. Yes. Said I really, I mostly like Lacoste shirts because of the alligator, an image at once quirkily powerful and powerfully quirky. In parentheses, non-duality. <laughs> I soon realized that the quirkiness was lost on most people. A substitute teacher saw me wearing a turquoise Lacoste shirt with a popped collar and said, you look like the bad guy from a John Hughes movie. He was probably right, although I was not. Uh, I am meant, not blonde. He mentions that that is mentioned in the Rolling Stone uh, profile that I have read of him. Mm. That he looks like the bad guy of a John Hughes movie. Um, that, that quote from a teacher saying it. Yes. Yeah. So he, he either either the writer of the 
Rolling Stone interview or profile saw that from his blog or he then quoted it quoted again. Quoted it again. To, yeah. Formative moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the iconicity of the Lacoste alligator is both appealing and repelling. And on one hand, it is beautifully simple and weird. On the other hand, it lends itself to conspicuous consumption, which is a state of mind and not an absolute action. In recent years, Lacoste has made sweaters and t-shirts in which the alligator is monstrously enlarged to cover one's entire chest. Uh, That's back again with the new gigantic champion logos. Gigantic champion, gigantic Louis Vuitton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The champion, but the champion one's really interesting because that's like, champion is like a cheap, brand right it's low like, it's low rent well yeah, yeah, yeah. but everything low is row. new again um uh, and and low is low is high low is high the uh the the enlarging of the logo amounts to a crass fetishization fetishization and so he he kind of moves from that the, this description and exploration of preppiness and he says what is authentic for a guy like me fourth generation ivy league deracinated american jew Born on the Upper West Side, raised in New Jersey to middle-class post-hippie parents with semi-anglophilic tendencies and propensity to put on Eastern European accents and use obscure Yiddish, Yiddish phrases. The obvious answer is that I, like all of us, should be a truly postmodern consumer, taking the bits and pieces I like from various traditions and cultures, letting my aesthetic instincts be my only guide. In fact, all of my friends, even the children of immigrants, seem to be in the same boat. We are both connect- disconnected from and connected to everything. Now we've transcended mere clothes. Internet, this is the ultimate internet vibe, which is globalization. Yes. Right? See, what's so interesting about that, what year did that blog wrap? 2006? 2006, April 2006. What's so interesting about that is how much all of that post is basically reprinted verbatim in this 2010 profile of Vampire As quotes Weekend. from Ezra Koenig? no. As analysis, as analysis. Did this guy rip off Ezra Koenig's oh, look, blog? Look, I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to besmirch Josh Eels, <laughs> okay. the author of Semi the Semi Kind of Life of Vampire Weekend, mm-hmm. uh, a, a big 2010 profile, not not big, not huge uh, profile of them on the back of their first album. Mm-hmm. But that sentiment, like literally, what he writes about himself. Yes. There is so clearly laid out throughout this using many specific examples yes. uh, from that. So let me just read one thing yeah. that I read, read in this. Please. This is him talking about his clothes. I'm hesitant to talk about it because it seems like Vampire Weekend is this big conceptual project, he, Ezra Koenig says. But around the time the band started, I became very interested in the connection between preppy American fashion and Victorian imperialism. Mm-hmm. For instance, where does the word khaki come from? It's Urdu. Where does seersucker come from? It's Hindi slash Persian. Mm-hmm. Madras Prince, they're from India. Blazers, they were worn by, a, they were a British naval uniform. Koenig, who taught English in a Brooklyn middle school, has a tendency Teach for to America. Switch, switch into lecture mode. Mm. Now, obviously, that was a very fucked up period in time. Obviously, <laughs> he continues. Yes. But there's something exciting about realizing that these clothes we have come to represent waspy Americans, the pinnacle of whiteness, actually have roots in India or non-Western world? Or, I mean, do they have roots there or do they just have the word roots for what they called the people that the oppressors were? That's me interjecting. Yes. They have a fascinating history flowing through them. Preppiness is this wide open thing. So that's him talking about the clothes that he chooses to wear. Yes. And what was interesting is, like, as I was going through songs and listening to this, I literally, uh, 
was listening to M79 off the first album. Yes. In which he says... Referring, uh, of course, to the Crosstown bus. Yes. In which he refers to, uh, or sings the lyric, dress yourself in bleeding madras. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering if he was thinking about this colonial history of madras mm-hmm. as he was, uh, if that is the bleeding in bleeding madras. Anyway, I'm only specula- speculating. But that profile the the josh eels semi-charm kind of life of a uh, vampire weekend is really interesting to counterpose with that because yeah. like that last post you read is regurgitated basically as the ethos of uh of koenig Koenig yes. yes in in this profile it, it's basically like it's an interesting approach to basically like gentrification in an appropriation of music right because yeah. you have like white it's it's sort of like what is you know who's doing a body who's doing a space here yes exactly like who who am i and what does that have anything you know say i am a uh a a, a white jewish man making international beats as it were um like why not because that that mishmash is uh essentially located in all of these brands and all of this uh, development of aesthetic over history. But what he's not questioning is like, what is the overarching cause of all of this? And could we question that? And that's capitalism, baby. And Vampire Weekend, and maybe this is why you don't like them, is that they don't ever seem to really engage head on without like deep, deep, thick layers of metaphor with capitalism. Uh, it's it's always in say it's the same pointing at capitalism as it points at any concept in the blog, which is like, hey, isn't this interesting? Here's why I don't like Vampire Weekend is because Vampire Weekend, the Decemberists are to '90s in Iraq as Vampire Weekend are to 2000s mm-hmm, in Iraq. Mm-hmm, yep, and that's it. And I like the Decemberists uh, when they still went hard, and now I don't like them because they became a uh, adult contemporary band. Yeah. Yes. No, they just don't they don't go I I need I know you need your music to go to go just just ape shit. Can I just straight up read some stuff from Tyler Clark who did uh a piece in Consequence of Sound mm-hmm. called Did Vampire Weekend Win the Indie Rock Age? Mm. And this is when the new album came out in 2019. Yes. And th- so here's his his premise is that like they emerged from the aughts as the winner indie rock band. And I honestly, that's a pretty good premise. They have a number one album in 2019. No other band from that era can hit that feature. Every other band from that era is being asked to play like 2008 festivals. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, remember 2008? And you think that they will be a probable headliner for major festivals. I would put, uh, I would put um, a medium amount of money down on them headlining Coachella next year. Here's Tyler's appraisal of, aughts indie rock yes now's a good opportunity to offer some idle speculation about why vampire weekends uh, fellow ascended indie darlings of the 2000s never quite achieved the same level of commercial success and influence for which in 2009 they all seem poised hmm. some fell to the opposite kind of timing creative exhaustion or to bands willing to do the same thing quicker or more broadly and more broadly uh to put it another way let's talk a light amount of shit about the other indie bands mm-hmm. the national Spent a decade LARPing as and possibly with Bruce Springsteen. I mm, I don't agree. Arctic Monkeys opened a casino on the moon and decided to stay there. <laughs> Animal Collective followed up their crossover masterpiece with an album that sounds like someone taught a microwave how to how to have panic attacks. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that explains why I didn't listen to it. Okay, yeah. The Decemberists morphed slowly but surely into the musical equivalent of a wait, wait, don't tell me panelist. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. The Black Keys answered the age-old question, what would it sound like if the White Stripes made music exclusively for Nissan commercials? Ooh, hey. These, I, I, I really got to give give Tyler Clark credit here because I'm literally just reading his jokes on the show and, and they're all very good. Yes. Uh, Tyler Clark, come on the show. Uh, bon Iver, Dale... Boney... <laughs> Boney there. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm from Southern Ohio. Jim, excuse. <laughs> bon Iver dared Kanye <laughs> to auto-tune a, pine, auto-tune a pine cone and did. Uh, Fleet Foxes had their cupboards ransacked by ruffians in Mumford and Sons hoodies and never recovered. Ooh. Can, can I just take it back to Boney Bear, which is that like when Justin Timberlake a few years ago released, or maybe like two years ago, released an album called Man of the Woods where he was wearing a flannel shirt. And yeah. He's like, I am the man of the woods. And I feel like Bon Iver was like, no, you're not. And Justin Timberlake was like, fuck. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, I think Bon Iver just like tapped him on the shoulder and was like, Justin. Look at my hat. Stop just it. Look at my hat, Look at man. my hat. Look at my hair. Look at my face. I am the man. I am the man. Look Je at suis l'homme de la... Le, oh, I don't know the word. <laughs> Le forêt. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. I'm the man of the woods now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made a wish on a monkey's paw that turned out to be the right hand of the Mooney Suzuki's bassist and paid an appropriate price. Oh, I think Karen O's living good. She she is, but they're not an ascended indie rock. They are not a worldwide famous chart topping indie rock. But that anymore. that's I think completely their their own as judge from Mimi in the bathroom. Like they said no to everything that they didn't want to do, and therefore here they are. Two quick ones. TV on the radio never returned from Cookie Mountain. That's true. Mm. That album is is a masterpiece and slapped so hard, and they mm-hmm. could never follow it up. That's that's the Joseph Heller model of like many have asked me who why I haven't written a book as good as Catch Twenty Two and I like to answer who has yeah uh, the knife broke up that's probably all that stopped them <laughs> yeah the the um our our past is littered with the bones of of bands who thought that they could there sleep on so us so many good ascendant indie rock bands in the aughts. Uh, they did not have internet vibes. <laughs> it's true. And they did, honestly, were not playing a long game. They were not playing the long game. And, uh, you know, Vampire Weekend did have indie vibes, and I'll give it to them. Wait, let me just read one more burn quote yes. on the uh, Vampire Weekend before I turn around and admit where they were right. Okay. This is Drew McGarry and Deadspin, who did an amazing article where he reviewed every track of their new album, mostly negatively. Uh, just a one off line <laughs> Vampire Weekend. Like the Shins did a one-off album after scoring a djembe at a yard sale. (laughs) And honestly, true. Oh, that's good. So now after uh, ragging on how much uh, Vampire Weekend actually absolutely blows shit and is one of the weakest bands we have ever covered on this uh, podcast, I will now say that they were right, that they know what the vibes are, Mm -hmm. uh, that people want to listen to absolute nothing music that says everything to them. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it fucking works. It, it they were really doing does. Empty Calypso years before Drake. Oh, yeah. They, they were, were like, honestly. Sad, sad Calypso. Sad, sad um, like, world vibes. I believe that, that what we're referring to now is a Bakun tweet uh, that says every song now either sounds like Sad Calypso or the chorus from Jungle Boy. From Jungle Boy, yeah. Stretch out over three minutes. Yes. Which is also correct. Yes. 
Ezra Koenig did the opposite in Vampire Weekend music that he did in the blog, which is the blog points at everything and is like, look at, isn't, isn't this funny? Or like, isn't this crazy? Or like, isn't this funny that like, I'm just blogging right now. And Vampire Weekend music is just, it's all just, it's all vibes. But if you're not, if you don't vibe with it, it's not the vibe for you. So the internet vibes blog is him analyzing his sources and saying, and basically saying like, this is the goofy shit I like. Yeah. And Vampire Weekend is his him doing all that goofy shit sincerely. Doing all the goofy shit sincerely and the ease of the internet means there is an absence of angst in the delivery. This is not James Murphy in LCD Sound System being like, I was there at the, you know, suicide practices. Like I, I spent 20 years spending all my money on my vinyl collection. It all was so easy it all came so easily to Ezra Koenig and he was all you have to do on the internet is be interested in something and he was interested in a lot of things Vampire Weekend is Ezra Koenig listening to that bodega Dominican bodega music and being like wonder if I did this as indie rock and that's the entirety of the whole thing you say that and I say Ezra Koenig heard Ezra Koenig uh, a fourth generation Ivy League American Jew was in a Washington Heights bodega and he heard bachata and was like, this makes me feel so light and free and like, look at where I am and like, look, like, look at where we are right now. I want to create that vibe. I think we're both right. I think I you're think a little right. right. I'm a little right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in, in, he's either a vibe creator or he's a soulless uh, pop. Uh, either way. Constructor. It's supermarket music. Yeah. Yeah. It's so uh, that's where we can agree on. Yeah. And where we come back on. But where where it's we supermarket music. And where we disagree is like whether it's good supermarket music or bad supermarket music. And I think music. you think it's bad and I think it's transcendent. Good. I think it's music to be put on, diminished in the background in a supermarket in uh, the future uh, Amazon live stock rooms that we all have to go to. Um Vampire Weekend will be the soundtrack to us uh, re- uh, obtaining our rations of Soylent uh, from the local Amazon dispensaries. And I think that you got to find the joy in that where you and can. And you think that's a good thing? And I think it's a good thing. This is the this is the future that Molly wants. That's that's the vibes, man. And I will say the only other thing, the two other things I'll say. Shout out to Ezra Koenig for keeping this completely live. Yeah. Um, n- most other people wouldn't. Shout out to Blogspot for continuing to exist yeah. somehow beyond all odds yeah. of everything else being shut down. Yeah, who owns Blogspot? Like the probably president some, of Azerbaijan or something? Uh, probably some bet- pedophile billionaire. <laughs> yeah, like ev- everything else uh, in, the, in the world. The other thing I'll say is that I have to acknowledge that Ezra Koenig dated Tavi Gevinson, founder of Rookie Magazine. When he was like 30 and when she was like 19. he was like 30 and she was like 19. And this just speaks to my perfect personal brand of like confused feminism. Talk where, about pedophile billionaires. Where I can both be like, good for you, Tavi. And also, Ezra, baby, honey, what is you doing? Right? <laughs> I can be both of those things at the same time, right? You contain multitudes. I think, I think it rule that my... <laughs> Well, all this stuff boils down to is I think it's great for 19-year-old women to fuck 30-year-old men. And I think it's weird for 30-year-old men to fuck 19-year-old women. That just leaves me very confused all the time. Sure. That's it. Should we end on that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I can't, we couldn't podcast without my saying it. And there it is. I don't think I have any other bullshit to, uh, <laughs> to slander Vampire Weekend with. 
No, you 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 went full Charlie's Angels full throttle on that bitch. <laughs> so I, I appreciate mean, that. Anyway, let's move confidently into the end of this episode. Uh, sorry again for the erratic release schedule. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to remove it. Remove it. Uh, but things have been rough with the uh, also erratic uh, Chapo schedule. Um, you know, Molly has a lot of, on her plate as well. <laughs> and she is the one who ultimately has to read a whole book or like gigantic archive of internet posts for each one of these episodes. You know, I, at the end of the day, I'm just happy that I found something constructive to do with this obsessive reading of blogs. No, this turned out to be a great one. Uh, thank you for bringing this to me. Of course. Uh, follow us on Twitter at and intro pod, even though we haven't been super active there either. I've been trying to hold up the flag. I'll hold up the flag. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's keep it going. In I put a, po- a meme of Post Malone that I made myself. So. Uh, uh, we should follow a bunch of like music sites and <laughs> yell at them when they have bad opinions. Yeah. That like, seems like a good idea. That yeah. Like good why vibes. not? We, I mean, we should just be more confrontational. Uh, <laughs> send us an email at andintroducingpod at gmail.com. And thank you for everyone who's been sending emails lately. Um, they've been extremely the bomb. And I think the response time has ranged between like six months and two days. So um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to remove it. But um, really appreciate the emails and, you know, DMs and tweets and all that shit. Yeah. It literally, every, uh, and also all the people who out there who have told me in person as I crisscross the country. Uh, that they listen to the show, that grows my heart. That rules. A million percent. Like, yeah, I, I love seeing all you guys out there. I love that uh, the people who um, listen to this come out to see the Chapa shows, and hopefully someday we'll do a, an anti-true show as well. Yes. Um, our SoundCloud is, as always, at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. And remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. And this is actually really important because we're doing this so erratically right now. Like and subscribe online. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're trying to keep the the flow going. We might be a little stilted right now, but if 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 you want us to keep doing this thing, even if it's stilted right now, if you want us to keep doing it more regularly, the best thing you can do is uh, like and subscribe on iTunes. And then when we do it, it'll it'll you'll have it. Then, then you'll, you'll have, have it. it. Then you'll just have it. Then you'll have it. It'll be easy. Uh, Molly, anything you want to plug? Um, I mean, you know, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Miss Molly Mary. You can follow me on Instagram at at the Molly Zone. You can enter the Molly Zone whenever you'd like. Doors are open. Um, but I think I have a, my own particular brand of vibes there. Yes, I think you are cultivating internet vibes. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's it for me. Uh, you can... This is going to come out tomorrow, and then I think on Friday you can see me... <laughs> this is going to come out tomorrow. This thing that you're listening to is going to come out tomorrow Tomorrow, yes uh you can see me in providence rhode island on friday friday like maybe a date of the month in uh yeah august 23rd there we go yeah uh like that's how most people measure their time literally the day opposed to relatively (laughs) literally the day after tomorrow uh see me run sound uh visuals possibly live music on stage for the uh Chapo Trap House's Call of Cthulhu live at Necronomicon 2019. Tickets still available. Maybe I'll put the link in this description. Uh, all right. I've already dragged this on too long. This is all Every sentence I say is just more shit I have to edit tomorrow. Anyway, until then, this has been another <laughs> great episode of this great podcast. Uh, we have... 
two good crossover episodes coming up in the future, hopefully. Yeah. God willing. Yeah. And so we'll see you soon on and introducing.